Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast, episode 11. These episodes are racking up, and Paddy, I am not enjoying speaking to you any more than I did the first time. But anyway, it's a pleasure to have you on, Mr. Paddy Farrell. How was your week? Uh, it was fantastic, Gary. Um, we're late recording this because you don't know how to use computers. Yet again, your inability is holding our business back. But other than that, my week has been fantastic you were actually four minutes late jesus we're actually 17 minutes late now yeah but the first four were your fault and the rest were mine because of my my microphone (laughs) anyway anyway, today we're going to talk talk a little bit about uh exercise because we like that whole exercise thing specifically weight training and more specifically the type of exercises that people do and why they do them um, wait actually can can we not talk about exercise or fitness today can we just talk about our feelings i actually am feeling a bit uh sad okay let's not talk about our feelings then uh, let's go back to exercise <laughs> okay uh, so on the menu today is uh like why why people do exercises and why that may sometimes be a little bit misled. So, you know, if you were to go into the explore page on Instagram right now, you could probably see a million different exercises to target like the same body parts. And it's just like, all right, so what I'm actually thinking about to make that, like what what's making that exercise good or bad. So we're going to talk about some of those things. Um, so Paddy, what are some exercises that you see done in the gym that you think all right, that is, I understand why you're doing it, but it's probably not the best option. Um, to be honest, I don't really look at people in the gym. It's quite intimidating. You know, I I get a bit scared. Um, I obviously I do not want to make eye contact with anyone, so I try not to look in anyone's direction. So I don't really see any of these things. Um, but in, in a past life, I definitely have seen exercises done that are or rather they work for some people and generally the people they work for are the genetic elite we'll say we'll call them that the people that can get away with a lot of things and because you look at them and you're saying whoa jesus he's 100 kilos shredded and he's only five foot eight and like obviously he knows what he's doing so i'm just going to follow his exact routine and you know, that, that'll get me where I need to go. Not taking into account that none of those exercises actually suit your body, right? And then that's not even, okay, we can get into the argument of does it suit your body, your specific joints, your specific muscle insertions, any, like anything, are the exercises good for you? But so many exercises are actually just plain fucking stupid. Um, full stop like <laughs> but no like they're literally it, it looks like it's novel and it looks like a good idea but it doesn't actually make a lot of sense for example one that you see a lot of people doing like okay i can you can put you can rationalize anything you could pick an oh, exercise absolutely. you can pick an exercise and go this is what i'm trying to target by doing this and you can come up with whatever convoluted reasoning you have for that exercise. And definitely, I'm not saying that some of these exercises will probably mention don't have a place in a training routine. However, the majority of the time, there are better exercises for that goal that either have less risk attached, risk attached to them or offer you more chance for actually overloading the muscle you're supposedly trying to target. Now, Gary, I'm just a simple pleb who understands biochemistry. Okay. You are the muscle guy. You, you understand. Simple pleb. <laughs> you, you, you are the muscle guy, you know, all like bones and all that kind of shit. So I'm just going to throw some exercises at you. And I want you to kind of go good, bad, should we bring this in? Should we say, fuck off, let's forget that, just pretend it never happened? You ready? Go. Arnold Press. 
Mm, this is an interesting one because you see a lot of like supposedly like really intelligent trainees and trainers doing this and it's just like all right let's break it down and see what's actually going on so for anyone that can't like envision the arnold press at the moment it's an exercise which is essentially a shoulder press but you start from the front with your palms kind of facing you so the dumbbells are in front of you and then you do this kind of rotational movement as you press up so some people will do the rotation and then press up and some people will do it all kind of one movement. And you just have to ask yourself, you know, like, what are you actually doing there that is special? Because at the bottom of a dumbbell press, like a regular dumbbell shoulder press, the front delt or anterior delt, so those fibers at the front of the shoulder, they're the muscles that are on top of the axis. And what I mean by that is that they're the muscles that are responsible for moving the weight. So when you get to the bottom, they're already being challenged like a lot because of the position that you're in and that's the prime active muscle so then what you do by bringing the dumbbell to the front is pretty much change nothing but waste energy because those fibers are still the fibers that are on top of the axis so you haven't actually changed anything in terms of muscular recruitment at the shoulder so it's pretty much the same thing and the majority of the rotation that has actually taken place is at your radial ulnar joint of your wrist so you end up just moving your wrist joint to try and rotate the dumbbell and then yeah you're moving the shoulders out and yeah there's probably some alterations in like rotator cuff activation and and stuff like that and maybe you do have a very specific reason as to why you're doing the exercise but from a general hypertrophy perspective for building your shoulders i think it's a pretty terrible option you're really just doing this kind of prolonged just waste of energy at the bottom and i'm like meh probably not the best investment of your efforts i'd rather just do a proper 90 degree or 75 degree dumbbell shoulder press and try and press as much weight as you can for your given rep range and tempo and stuff probably going to get more out of that okay man i'm I'm on board with that um and yeah like if you do have a specific reason say i don't know your, your sport requires that you do that very specific movement then fuck yeah get strong as absolute hell at that movement like if your sport requires it but if you're just looking to build some muscle generally get more tone better aesthetic feel to your body or whatever probably not a great idea yeah okay cool if you are some sort of or if you are looking for some sort of novelty and you're like oh like i'm getting a bit bored of my routine and i kind of want to just bring something in i'm in between routines and i kind of just want to you know fuck around for a little bit yeah maybe an option then but man even that that is the increased risk worth the reward like are you actually getting a huge amount from that probably not right now this is kind of a harder discussion to get into because some of these exercises aren't terrible exercises in and of themselves but rather it's how people perform them that's the issue right and i'm actually going to bring one in because it's one that we're already on the topic of shoulders and then it's one that you'll see a lot of people say that we have to do or you have to do if you want to build size in this area and that exercise is the overhead press and when i'm saying overhead press i mean that full overhead press where it touches your chest or your your clavicles okay so obviously this is both a discussion of whether that exercise is valid okay in and of itself but then also whether that exercise is valid for that individual like do they have that range to get that quote-unquote full range of motion or would a yeah would a lesser range be better suited for them okay you ready go yeah so I think it's definitely an exercise that's that's overused, especially by proponents of full range of motion, whatever that means. You know, people just think they have to arbitrarily work through as big of a range as possible to get the best results. And like the first thing I would say about a, an overhead press is that any exercise where you are standing and you have to stabilize your whole body, that is reducing your potential to recruit the muscle in question. You know, so if you if you even do one simple experiment, do a seated dumbbell shoulder press and do a standing dumbbell shoulder press, tell me if you can lift the same weight. You won't be able to standing. So that like is the first kind of red flag for me in terms of 
trying if you're trying to maximize the development to your shoulders why not just do it sitting like you're not training for a sport so i don't see like why people get so romantic about the standing overhead press um and then, and then on to the actual exercise itself like if you were to even just if you're sitting there listening to this or walking or whatever try and get into that bottom position where the bar is touching your clavicles comfortably like most people will feel that they're in a very strained position there because a lot of people don't have that kind of external rotation to get there comfortably. And not only that, but if you kind of look at the way the arm is like aligned in that position when the barbell is pushing down, like you're kind of just using passive passive tension. And by like what I mean by that is like, you know, your arms are tight to your body, your elbows are flexed so much that your forearms touching your biceps and stuff. And what you'll see is that when people start that exercise, they're really just kind of jerking the first six inches or so. And I don't think many people should really be like going much lower than the nose if they're trying to get the most out of the exercise because they're generally not doing that in a controlled fashion. Um, so yeah, I would be a much bigger fan of dumbbell variations in general. Um, and I wouldn't be a big fan of probably like most people going all the way down to their chest and over and an overhead press because, you know, at the bottom, it's not like a lot of additional tension is being put onto your actual shoulder musculature. It's a lot of passive tension and a lot of momentum that people try and generate. Yeah, I, gen- Any oh, additional I generally aim for my chin rather than my nose. So, you know, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, anywhere around those chin levels. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. The majority of people don't have that range. The majority of people don't even, I'm not even that range in terms of that range of motion. The majority of people don't have that overhead arm position. Like they actually couldn't, especially when the bar is fixed, they just can't get their arms actually overhead. And you'll see a lot of people kind of try to combat this by essentially turning that shoulder press into a huge like incline press. And this is essentially why, you know, the the clean and press was gotten rid of from the Olympics because people were literally just turning it into a standing bench press. Um, So yeah, like it's probably not the best exercise if your goal is to build shoulders. It's not an awful exercise. And the only reason I brought it up because it is one of those ones that people do have this really arbitrarily defined range on it that has to touch your your clavicles you know basically like i could just make up it has to touch your nipples like you know like who defined like who defined it was your clavicles that it has to touch like it, may, it makes no sense um <clears throat> yeah if it is your, i could touch the bar off the yeah, floor um anyway <laughs> if it is if it is your sport like you're doing olympic weightlifting or you're a strong man maybe then yeah, you're probably going to have to get strong in that, that, that range entirely. Maybe not for strongman because they generally like log press and that actually generally gets rid of that kind of six inches up to your, up to your chin-ish mm-hmm. kind of nose-ish level anyway. So, you know, not necessarily that. But if you are an Olympic lifter, you're probably going to have to get good at that range purely because you want to have strength in that range because you're going to obviously clean and jerk, you know. Um, <clears throat> other than that, hmm. Do you need to do it if you're just looking to tone up, look good on the beach? Not really. Right. Next one. Um, external rotators or external rotation with a dumbbell elbow at your side, Gary. Standing, Standing up. up as well. Oh, Jesus. This is the worst. Because <laughs> this is just a, a lesson of gravity more so than exercise. But anyway, like this is one of the things you see done quite a bit, especially by well-intentioned people, like during their warm-up, you know, they're trying to work the external rotators. Um, and th- that's generally the rotator cuff of the shoulder. People are, are doing this with the goal of shoulder health or, or a warm-up. And what you'll see people do is, you know, you're standing up, you've got two dumbbells in your hand as if you've got, you're halfway through a hammer curl. And then you rotate your shoulder out to the side, keeping your elbow by your side. And like, to me, I'm just like, ah, come on, you know, think about what's actually going on there because gravity is pointing down. Okay. It's pushing those dumbbells down. Okay. So that means that there's a challenge at the elbow joint. So the biceps have to do a bit of work and those, those elbow flexors, but any challenge that you're feeling in your shoulder there, as you go out to the side, is actually you just resisting the weight that you're using momentum to swing out. So you'll find that you probably feel it more the more you the more you swing it. And if you don't swing it, you probably won't feel it because you're not actually adding any resistance 
against that at all. So what I would probably favor if you are looking to work your external rotators, your rotator cuff, have healthier shoulders, stronger shoulders, would be something similar to a side-lying external rotation. But if you kind of prop yourself up on your side with your elbow on your knee so that your knee is kind of bent up, and then you do an external rotation like that, or you could do a similar thing with a cable in standing or even a face pull if you're pulling to the pulling to the forehead. All of those are probably better options than doing the standing one because it's just simply not doing anything at all. So what you're saying is it's a shit exercise. Yeah, like that that's that's one of the things that isn't even valid. Like the rest of them kind of you can be like, ah, I can see the usefulness, but that's just like nah, it's it's not even a thing. Okay. It's gravity. (laughs) Straight barbell skull crushers. Or even easy or EZ bar skull crushers. I thought you were going to say straight bar curls for a minute. I was like, man, we're not ready for that. We've got to give people at least 10 minutes. All right, you can talk about that too if you want. (laughs) Yeah, so what we have to think about when it comes to the skull crusher is that there are kind of two requirements that people tend not to have. The first one is the wrist mobility to be able to get into pronation, which if you're standing there is your palms facing the floor, or if you're standing with your hands by your side, your palms facing backwards. You may have that range as you're standing there, but what tends to happen is that it's actually a difficult range to get into as you flex your elbow. So if you bend your arm up, you're going to find it a little bit more difficult to attain that range. And that becomes even more challenging when you then add the challenge of external rotation at the shoulder. Because when people are lying down, you've got your arms at at 90 degrees of flexion, so your shoulders at 90 degrees of flexion. And trying to hold that position of external rotation at the bottom where your hands are by your ears is actually fairly difficult for people to do. So then when you're struggling during the exercise, if you're at the extreme of your range at both of those joints, then they tend to be the joints at which forces are dissipated or that you try and compensate when trying to press the barrel. So what you end up doing is losing the pure elbow movement that we're looking to get to actually recruit the triceps. And as you press up, you'll typically see the elbows flare out. And that is what you that is a reflection of you not being able to actually maintain that external rotation because as your elbows flare out your shoulders are moving into internal rotation so you pressing up is a direct consequence of you not actually having that range available which is why i would be a much bigger fan of the actual dumbbell variation and you know you said the easy bar as well and people often think that's a solution and yeah it is if you have kind of wrist issues it might get away of or it might not it might stop you from from those wrist issues kind of being a problem in the exercise but what it doesn't solve is the problem that people don't generally don't tend to have that external rotation but even if they do they tend not to have it so comfortably that they can maintain it throughout the challenge on the triceps so um yeah i wouldn't be a massive fan of barbell skull crushers i would be a much bigger fan of dumbbell skull crushers um, you also like that yeah. dumbbell skull crusher with the elbows supported yeah, I was going to try and explain it's, that, and I was it's, like, it's oh, pretty, man, pretty easy to explain. <laughs> oh, you set God, up your bench great. press on a low bench or low bar setting, and then and then you put yeah, your elbows bar, up right. against that bar and do your exact same skull crusher that you would have done with your dumbbells. You know, obviously the elbows are on the side that the dumbbells are on as well, not over the bar. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah that, that's too. a good way of also stabilizing <laughs> the elbow there as well. Right. Straight bar, barbell curls. Yeah, kind of a similar thing again. You know, a lot of people don't have that supination range to be able to comfortably produce force straight through the straight through the palm in a comfortable position for them to be able to just purely flex the elbow. Um, and again, external rotation can be a bit of an issue for some people there, but uh, generally not too much of an issue. People have that much that much range of available um but yeah the supination would probably be the main problem there that i'd be looking at is that people just find it difficult to actually keep their palms up in that flex position throughout the range especially at the bottom so what you have to remember then is that like if you are fixing your hand or any joint into a position that it's not all that comfortable 
and then you're moving another joint while that's fixed on a barbell, then forces are going to be transferred elsewhere. And the other problem there as well with with a barbell is that, you know, we all have kind of different carrying angles. And this is especially important for females because females tend to have a larger carrying angle, meaning that your carrying angle is basically if you look at someone with their hands down by their sides, their hand, their they have a kind of an angle at the elbow where their forearm doesn't exactly align up straight with the upper arm, and this makes complete sense for females because they have wider hips, so it's completely normal to have a wider carrying angle, so your hands can, your arms can rest by your side a little bit easier. So that's one of the things females need to realize is that when you're doing a straight barbell curl, that you not you're not going to have this perfectly straight arm where the curl is going to be perfectly straight up. So if you try and then emulate that and you try and do that exercise as the way it's typically proposed to be done, then you, again, might be putting forces that are potentially injurious in the long term um, onto your shoulders and elbows that you just don't really want. So I think, you know, choosing a dumbbell option for your curls where you have more freedom of kind of rotation and movement of the wrist is definitely uh, a better idea but again you know all these things that we're saying we're speaking from a generalist perspective and if you are assessing these things yourself you might feel that those exercises just fit you really well and they feel very comfortable and that's completely okay so don't just think that all of these are bad exercises we're just saying that for most people that are using them Uh, i had one there a second ago oh yeah supinated close grip lap pull down this is gas i feel like i'm being uh, interrogated <laughs> but uh, yes yeah, soup well, let me see supinated close grip lap pull down. okay yes 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 this is this is one that you see fairly often yeah i was, and I was gonna bring that up because it kind of gets well, a little bit is that you know they're, they're you know, just, that, that's people align that with an exercise they're like oh chin-ups they're like bench press so it's like oh it's done a certain way so i was kind of trying to get yeah, I was trying to get around that by saying the lap pull yeah, down. <laughs> yeah, so what Paddy's talking about there is if you picture a lap pull down where you have your palms facing you and your hands are really close, I don't know, it's probably some argument that, oh, yeah, if you keep your hands close, you won't uh, get as wide of a back <laughs> or something along those lines. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it basically just, just doesn't really make sense at all. Like, if you picture what's going on there, if you want to recruit the lats as much as possible, you want your hands to be at roughly shoulder width. Why? Because it makes sense for you to try and align your arm with the position that you're going to be pulling. So if you're pulling your elbow down and your lats are pulling on your shoulder and your humerus and hence your shoulder joint is moving, then you want there to be a nice straight path between the line of the force that is acting on your hand and the line that the lat is going to be pulling the upper arm. Like that's what we're looking for ideally. And if you have your hands in too close, then the force is then coming from a central point, meaning that you are actually trying to pull out, even though that's not technically the direction the lat is pulling. So it's probably not a great idea for lat development. There's also the issue that you probably don't have that supination range available because you might be able to supinate your hand to the point where that's comfortable with with a normal shoulder width, but that can be a little bit more difficult as you come in narrow and you're trying to grip the bar at an angle. So wouldn't be a big fan of that. Um, supinated exercises in general when it comes to pull downs can be a problem for people and what you will typically feel if you like how to identify this if you do exercises with a supinated grip if you feel like you have to move your elbows kind of out and in during the exercise or if you feel like the force on your palm of your hand is only at one side as opposed to being evenly spread throughout then you can probably be pretty sure that you might not have that yeah, no, available that's, for that to that's fantastic um young gary um <clears throat> i feel like people are get, definitely getting an education from this but i do want to also again just state that it is like we're just going through exercises that when you're walking around the gym you see a lot of people perform these exercises with the best of intentions because you know they see they see people doing it they see people who've gotten results do them and sorry excuse me yeah it's not like they're going around trying to injure themselves and it's not like we're saying that nobody could potentially do these exercises. What we're saying is for a lot of people, it can pose an issue. So don't just think when you're doing these exercises that, oh, these are a one size fits all 
exercise. I, I should be doing them because Arnold Schwarzenegger was doing them or Jay Cutler was, or whoever the fuck, you know, you look up to or whatever. Um, just because they were doing them, you have to do them because that's what, what essentially happens in the whole fitness sphere. Someone will do something. They'll experiment a little bit. They'll find it. Oh, this kind of works for me. I like this. Um, it's working for my body structure. And then it becomes dogma where it's like, oh, well, he got results off them or she got results off them. So it's a thing now, you know? So like, don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't think we're saying like, don't ever do these exercises or you don't like, man, I don't care if you have fucking over supination. I don't care if you can literally turn your hands all the way around. You have great fucking do lap pull downs with a supinated grip. Like maybe they're perfect for you. You know, what we're saying is think while you're doing this, if you are, doing all these random movements and you've done, you're not feeling your muscles where you're supposed to be feeling them, or you're not feeling the muscles that you are supposedly supposed to be targeting. Then I would definitely rethink your whole approach to kind of, does this exercise suit me? Does this exercise kind of qualify for what I'm trying to achieve now? Sorry for interrupting you, young Gary. No, you're fine. You just you just clicked with me there for a minute. That's that's something I wanted to say as well is that, you know, we're not trying to sell you the triage method by any means. Well, unless you want to like join that, the, that's the, the triage method, uh, militia. That is a seven euro a week, and <laughs> no, go on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, essentially, what we're trying to get you guys to do is just think in a different way. What the like, fuck? Like, even just think, they don't think? because I suppose more. You're a savage these days. <laughs> no, but the, the fitness industry in the fitness industry in general, like if you go on social media today, you'll see a load of common ideas that have just been that are just trending at the moment. And like if like thing if you're just relying on trends, like then that's a bit of a, a kind of a, a false way to lead your decision making. And that's what a lot of people do in fitness. And you know, not even that, but there's also just these a load of exercises that are just accepted as the holy grail of exercises just because everyone has done them. And what we want you guys to do is not to accept our words for truth or not to accept that what we say is always the best, but what but to take our thought process on board and to think, okay, I'm actually going to question why I'm doing what I'm doing as opposed to just doing it for some arbitrary reason. So yeah, that's, that's, if you can get the thought process more than the actual information out of our podcast, we'll be completely. Uh, no, I'm kind of blanking so, on What's the next exercise on the list, Patty? Yeah, of course. Actually, actually, can I, can I nominate one? Cause I, well, I've I, seen asked, you come, I asked you to come I've up with a list earlier on. Lady, so man, I, it, I it hope annoys you. me. Uh, good. Right. Go on. I do have a list. I do. Have, I do have a list. <laughs> um, but this is one that I've seen like, a lot of smart people doing recently and it's i'm just like like this uh, this is silly like the whole have you seen it where you do a a curl but because the bicep also flexes the shoulder you curl all the See, way up i actually like, forehead, don't look at any of i don't know if you follow me on instagram but i just post stupid <laughs> pictures like Yeah, but man, I saw one person do it, and then because they have like twenty five thousand followers, I saw a lot of other people do it, and I was just like, "Oh man, this is silly." Basically, the idea behind that, right? So people curling up and then flexing their their shoulder as well is that yeah, the bicep does flex the shoulder as well as the elbow, but you then have to kind of extend that logic and think: Would you do a leg extension and then lift your leg off off the seat because your quads also flex your hip? No, you wouldn't. Would you also would you do a hamstring curl and then li- like lift lighter weights so that you can lift your hips all the way up off the bench and kick backwards and do like a glute kickback um, hamstring curl hybrid? No, you wouldn't. Like people don't do these things with other muscle groups, and it's just the pro- The problem is that they're you're going by feel. So what you're doing is actually sacrificing actual true mechanical tension and maximum force output from the muscle that you're working in favor of something that feels good because as soon as you take a muscle into its shortened range you're gonna get this kind of i call it pseudo cramping it nearly feels like you're cramping because the muscle is fully shortened and you get what what's called active insufficiency and when you get into that range it feels like the muscle is doing a lot of work but in reality it's kind of just this over excitation i guess you could call it of the muscle from the nervous system where it feels like it's contracting really really short but 
a muscle contracting in isolation without sufficient tension on it is pretty much useless. Like, yeah, if you're a beginner and you've never trained before, you could probably sit at home and flex your biceps and get some hypertrophy from, the, from that. But if you're an advanced trainee, man, you're going to need more than that. So creating exercises that have stability and that are training specific muscles with adequate tension, that's what you want for hypertrophy. And this this whole high barbell curl variation, like if you look at the top of that exercise, what you've actually done is brought the wrist back behind the elbow joint, meaning that there's no longer a challenge on elbow flexion and the challenge is actually mainly on shoulder flexion. So yeah, you might feel your bicep shortening a load and you feel this very high sense contraction, but you've kind of changed the purpose of the exercise and I don't really think it's the best way of doing um, yeah, things. Yeah, uh, that doesn't doesn't sound at all good. Um, I also, I also, I also don't know why anyone would do that um, <laughs> with any even a rudimentary understanding of. Uh, uh, yeah, well, cool. Gravity is still fucking gravity. Um, but anyway, um, what what's your next exercise, <laughs> Gary? <laughs> Let me look at my list. Um, Oh yeah, banded exercises in general. Probably have another podcast on this at some time, but it's actually kind of a difficult thing to do podcasts on. Uh, yeah, but the whole concept wait, of wait, wait, accommodating wait, wait, wait. resistance. Before we go so on, accommodating resistance is basically any sort well. of tool that kind of... Okay, cool. Okay, cool. I am, I'm including everything. I was going to give it an actual definition. So accommodate, accommodating resistance is essentially any sort of resistance that is going to increase as you move to the range of motion and in, in, in most that's probably the best way of defining it regarding the tools that are used so if you think about bands and what they do like everyone understands this logically the further you pull the band apart the greater the challenge you're going to get against the muscle that you're working all right so what a lot of people use this for like a lot of people use it just very poorly in general in terms of putting very light bands and very heavy exercises and not changing the profile of resistance sufficiently to actually achieve the goal. So yeah, it might make it marginally better, but the resistance that you need to use for the exercise to be like optimal, if that's what you're looking for, is a lot different than what people use. But that's not what I want to talk about here. What I want to talk about is people using bands on exercises that bands just don't or shouldn't, don't need to or shouldn't be used for. Like for example, if you put a band on a leg extension, the leg extension is already most challenging in the top position, okay? Meaning that in your where your quads are weakest in that top position, the leg extension is generally most challenging. Some of them will have a nice drop-off, which is actually what you want. You want it to get a bit easier at the top because that allows you to get more overall volume, more overall stimulus on your quads because you're stronger lower down. So if you add a band to that, you're actually making the exercise less effective because there's so much tension in the top position where you're weakest that you end up fatiguing that portion earlier and you don't end up actually producing as much mechanical tension or getting enough mechanical tension where you're strongest. So as a result, you kind of make the exercise just a little bit less effective overall. So, you know, you got to think about why you're using bands sometimes. And back exercise is another classic one. People will typically, you know, add or, bands or, to or certain chains along with this variations as well, because it's fucking hardcore. I'm doing my bit over rows it, with fucking, you know, 50 kilos of chains hanging off the side. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, change is pretty much the ex the exact same thing. Like like yeah, they they have different kind of inertial properties and stuff. Like we don't get we don't need to get bogged down in those. But yeah, change is essentially the same premise where the further the chains come off the ground, the more the greater the challenge is, provided they were on the ground in the first place. Um, but yeah, any sort of row variation, you know, people do this because again, like we said earlier, any exercise that gets your muscle into its shortened position with a challenge is going to feel really, really good, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a great exercise. So what you end up doing on any row variations that you do where you're strongest, meaning that where your arms are further away from the body, for example, the bottom of a barbell row, you end up having the least weight. So then where you're weakest at the top position, you end up using the most weight, whether, whether that be through band or chain and that just doesn't really make a whole pile of sense because what you'll typically see people do here is using momentum to get into the shortened range so they're kind of jerking through that position 
and it's not even challenging enough in the bottom. So overall, you've made the exercise less effective as opposed to more effective. So you just kind of have to think about these things and why you're using them because bands definitely have like there's so many situations where they can be so useful. The same thing can be said for chains as long as you're using enough of them. Um, but you just need to think about why you're doing them, I guess. And if you if you can't, if the band is just being used for the sake of making something heavier, for example, let's say you've topped out the leg extension and you can do 20 reps with the max stack, then cool, add a band. Like it's probably a good idea just to add some more resistance. But it's not necessarily making the exercise itself. Well, I literally said, can you cover cables in this? And you Anything just did add. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, cables cables are another one, you know. It's funny enough, like people talk about uh constant like people That's say oh, you should use cables Baby, because you. it's a constant constant tension or because it's like <laughs> because it's it's constant tension or it's like whatever. Are cables and also like, actually even That's constant not tension. actually the reason to use cables. Oh, wow. Like a lot of the time No. <laughs> Just because <laughs> cables aren't constant tension okay because essentially like what you have to what you have to consider and you don't need to worry about this listening is like really you don't need to worry too much about it you just need to understand the kind of principles but like the the tension that is on your muscle or a given joint or the challenge is not just the result of the weight being stable throughout because that's never the case like the mat like that's not ever staying the same because it's the angle the angle or distance or moment arm whatever way you want to describe it of the cable to your arm or whatever joint that you're actually whatever lever or joint you're working so for example if you are doing a standing cable curl let's say and you're standing right above the cable and it's down at the bottom and you begin to curl up that cable is pretty much facing upward all the time, meaning that it's pulling you downward. So the resistance profile there is pretty much the exact same as a barbell curl because the resistance, like the resistance itself is fixed in terms of plates as it would be with a dumbbell or a barbell, but gravity is, is pushing down just as the cable is pulling your hand down. So that's actually pretty much the same thing. So the fact that it is constant tension just because, you know, there's a cable there, it's 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 irrelevant because the tension still isn't constant. It's actually variable. And it's funny because people talk about um, constant resistance tools such as like dumbbell, like dumbbells, barbells and uh, cables and stuff. And if you pick up any sort of like personal training handbook, you'll probably read that they're the, the resistance the resistances that are constant when in fact they're the tools that actually have variable resistance because as you lift them the moment arms and stuff change so the challenge is completely different at every portion whereas it's actually machines like well-designed machines that are more so constant resistance from an internal perspective because their loads actually change in accordance with your positions of weakness and strength so when people use cable exercises it's not just about the fact that it's constant tension. It's about the fact that you, you're actually able to manipulate where the resistance is coming from. And that's something you can't do with gravity. If you find out how, please let me know. But yeah, I just think this that's, whole, that's like, why cables have like such utility. Um, it's don't why, actually look at the human on. when they consider these things. Like, they, 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 like, like all of this physics stuff that they talk about, well, pseudo physics stuff that they talk about with this, yeah. this tension and even like, like yeah we'll say that is this a a constant tension exercise or is this a constant exercise is it always going to have tension on the muscles just because it's a cable like that that is so the wrong frame of mind to be in when you're thinking of these things like you're looking at an external perspective on an internal thing you know like you're, you're not taking into account that okay you're looking at like newtonian physics perhaps on the scale of oh this exercise how is gravity relating to this how is this cable moving what whatever is going on there okay but it's like your does your body react like that is your body a purely newtonian uh, thing no it's not like even most even into like muscle cells you know when they like do like emg stuff and all that kind of shit where it's like now you're not you're not even taking into account that muscles are 
non-Newtonian fluids. You know, so the harder you contract the, like say for example, like collagen is a, a perfect one. Like even if you look at it just down to like a biochemical level, like you would have to be stupid to say shear applies to knees or applies to any any collagenous uh, things because the more force or sorry the more pressure the more tension you put on that collagen the more you squeeze out those hydrogens so what happens then is you've got all this extra space because there's hydrogens like collagen is a uh, alpha helical type structure so you've got this like almost like dna type structure i think it's tree coils yeah it's coiled coil i think um tree coils um so there's a lot of hydrogens hydrating literally hydrating um, this this collagen and the more tension you apply to that collagen the more you squeeze those hydrogens out right so those mm-hmm. hydrogens are now gone so this thing that had a load of like gel cushioning in this this hydrated matrix is now stronger because you put more force on it it's more solid so all of that stuff where it's like oh shear on this this structure here is looking at it from the completely wrong perspective, you know, like from an external perspective. Yeah. Oh fuck, man. There's a shitload of shear on your knees. Is that an issue? No, man, because your actual body is designed to accommodate to that. It's actually designed for that very reason. That's the reason you have, or you use collagen in these structures because it is a non-Newtonian fluid, you know? So the more, pressure the more tension you apply to it the stronger it gets you know so all of these when i like i actually hate it when i just talk about physics outside the body and apply it to the body as if the body is the same system as that that's like literally you have a car crash and sending a mechanic in to repair your body it's like, yeah, you were in the car, the outside world affected you, but it has nothing to do with the car, you know? Like, I'd rather see a doctor come and fucking fix me, <laughs> you know? So, like, all that kind of shit, oh, man, it just fucking annoys me so much. Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, no, it is a good point because it, it, there's actually been, like, so many myths that have, I guess cropped up throughout the fitness industry as a result of like directly what you're saying like people not actually like people looking at like biomechanical models for example you know a lot of biomechanics research like uh, like at least in the past like they look at all right what forces are being applied and then they just construct these models that are like just like as if as if the human body is just made of two sticks so it's like Oh, the knee joint is just two sticks that are connected. And here are all the forces that apply. Not considering how the, you know, patellofemoral joint actually behaves. Not considering how the patellar tendon behaves, the patellar ligament behaves. Not considering, like, the internal structures of the synovial fluid, the meniscus. All these different things. All these different components of the joint. The soft tissue contact. And when you actually break down all that sort of stuff... You actually see that, you know, the predictions from like early day research on like why deep squats, for example, could be bad for your knees were actually false because it's just like, oh, yeah, cool. In this biomechanical model where you are isolating things and treating the human body as if it's not a human body, like that makes sense. But in the human body where you've got structures to actually deal with this sort of stress, uh, this doesn't actually apply all that much. So, you know, it's important to just remember those things. Same thing when it comes to leg extensions. Like that's one of the most annoying things when people say, oh, there's shear. It's like, yeah, cool. Yeah, walk down the stairs. There's shear. You're going to stop doing that. It's like, you know, you're not, you're not um, contextualizing things. No, but you have a list. But anyway, you have any other exercises in mind? We covered a lot of good ones there. Yeah, man. Yeah, we did. I, I had, I had a, go, I had a, a list of all of them. I actually have lateral raises in there as well. But I chat about lateral raises. Um, yeah. So lateral raises is a funny one because there's actually very good rationale, like theoretically, for using momentum. Because like you can technically argue that, yeah, if you use more momentum when you do your lateral raises, you can use more weight and you know you get more mechanical tension and you know all this sort of stuff but what you're not thinking like you're not thinking it through you you know it's not the 
the load that you're lifting that is contributing to the mechanical tension. Like it's one of my least favorite arguments when people say that, oh, we just like you do this because you get more mechanical tension or you lift this, you lift more weight because you get more mechanical tension. It's like they're not the same thing. The load in the bar is not equivalent to mechanical tension on the muscle. Okay, that is something like within the muscle that we're actually looking at. Um, so if you think about a lateral raise, like if you do, let's say six kilos and you use no momentum and yeah, the top portion of the lift is going to be the most challenging and you've got tension throughout, like, and then you go and do a 15 kilo one, you just swing all over the place. Like it's like, it's, it's tech. It could still be the same level of mechanical tension, but you just have less control. So you're kind of guessing when it comes to what you're actually doing and what you're like, you're making things less specific in terms of quantifying the work that you're actually doing. See, if you're very strict, let's say, with your lateral raise form, then you can at least say that if you added a rep, it's because of strength. You you got extra strength um, on that given day. You were stronger than you were previously because you'd been keeping all things strict. Your tempo was pretty much the same. Whereas if you're using loads of momentum, throughout your lateral raises and you're swinging from the bottom from with the dumbbells maybe starting in front of you or right by your sides and you're starting with a swing then you can always use a little bit more of a swing to get an extra rep or to add an extra kilo or two like progressive overload is something that is very easy to achieve then but it's not actually progressive tension overload it's just you overloading the actual weights that you're using so it's important to consider that and, you know, there, it's funny that there was a study that came out in 2013 that everyone shouted shouted about in relation to lateral raises and using more momentum and how it could be useful. And then you actually read the study and you realize that it was a computer simulation, but no one that shared that actually mentioned that. So, you know, don't always just think that people that share studies are doing so, like, with your best interest in mind. It's often to confirm their own biases. So, like, while I can't see why people would use some momentum sometimes, it's also important to try and contextualize things and think about, all right, would I apply this logic to other exercises? Exercises Would I propose that someone would have less control on other exercises? And would I propose that someone swing a weight that they're not in control of that is too heavy for them to actually have muscular control over um, on other exercises? And what you'll find is that the answer is often no. And the reason I think that people are so attracted to this on the latter rays in particular is because it's a very difficult exercise to progress for one very simple reason, and that is that those muscles are tiny. No matter how big you are, the 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 distance that those muscles are are able to shorten and the, the size of the overall muscle fibers that are producing that movement combined with the length of the lever means that you're not going to be able to lift a lot of weight. And that's kind of just it. And progress, progression for you might be adding a kilo to that in the next year. You know? Um, so... You know, it's just a matter of people being frustrated, trying to progress too fast. And yeah, I would be more of a fan of control over the yeah, time no, I, or all of the time, especially if you want to that consider statement. the kind of I would also like to retract well, one of my earlier statements. I said that collagen was a coiled coil, nearly got sick in my mouth. It's actually a triple helix. Um, apologies, everyone. I know it's actually disgusting, Gary. I'm terribly sorry. Anyway. <clears throat> look look we'll we'll discuss this later what kind of beating i get anyway it is a triple helix yeah my apologies but yeah now especially on lateral raises people kind of shit the bed on them and think like oh i haven't progressed in six weeks on this like oh what do i do do i uh do i just you know i'll just jump up to the next weight and like i'll, I'll hope something happens and you know, i just get strong enough for it so they've been doing five kilos or something with perfect form getting their reps out but like like i just said they're not actually progressing because the weight's not going up and they're like oh fuck what do i do so they just go all right cool i'll just jump to the 7.5s and their technique gets a little bit shoddier but they're they're still kind of able to handle it like maybe they're not going as high as they were before maybe the shoulders are starting to shrug a little bit and um, but they're getting the reps and then they go, okay, cool. Like I, I got that. I, I don't want to get stuck at that again. I, I'm comfortable with that. Doing that for about four weeks. Give me them 10 kilos, babies. Um, and then they jump to those. And then it's this little like head bob. Um, and it just keeps, it keeps going like that. And it's like, did you actually apply any more tension <laughs> than five kilos? So the, the way I look at it, right? If you perform a strict eight rep max like and i mean 
max, like the maximum voluntary contraction that you can get to lift that weight. You do that with your lateral raises. Perfect technique, perfect form, okay? That's your eight rep max. You simply cannot lift more than that for eight reps, right? So if you just go in the next time and go, oh yeah, I just jumped up and I did use a bit of momentum. You've just said the maximum voluntary contraction of your side delt, all the muscles that contribute, is whatever weight. So even if you're using a heavier weight, it's above your maximum voluntary contraction. Like your muscles cannot contract anymore. So you are you must be using something else to move it. You know? Like you've just you've just shown, okay, my muscles cannot contract harder than this. Like they physically can't. So if you move heavier weights, it's not your muscles moving it. I would also just add on that as well, just in case people get confused. I do think that there is a place sometimes for shrugging on a lateral raise, but where I would apply that would be at the top third of the movement. So the top 20 to 30 degrees, probably 20 degrees in a controlled fashion. Okay. And the goal there is to ensure that your shoulder joint actually has enough movement for you to abduct further so to lift your arm out to the side because in normal movement in order to get your arm overhead or to get your arm above your shoulder you have to actually externally rotate and that kind of comes with you <coughs> you lifting up your scapula a little bit so elevating your scapula laterally rotating it so what i would say is that if especially if you're someone that has shoulder pain at the top of a lateral raise in the top 20 degrees it might be worthwhile just considering a slight controlled shrug with the goal of bringing your shoulders up towards your ears but this isn't to be done to allow you to lift more weight it's to allow you to control the movement better and to do it in the safest manner possible i guess what's wrong and what is a problem um, is when people smart shrug from the bottom or right in the middle of the rep in order for them to just lift more weight that's not right, what the exercises too easy <clears throat> man people are going to be sick of us at this stage they're going to be like man he just threw around a load of anatomical anatomical stuff what's he on about and Paddy's talking about triple helixes what the hell is going on I think on? we covered all those before <laughs> as well like, but yeah. other exercises I think that was most of the ones I wanted to cover I was thinking about covering glute kickbacks <laughs> and glute pushdowns but we actually covered them on the glute podcast yeah. So if you're interested in glute specific yeah, stupid exercises, something, something, yeah. we talked about those right, on, on so the, the glute, uh, glute podcast. Jesus Christ, I presume they've all listened four, to them. I think I can't um, remember. Of course. You should have listened to them all anyway. Um, so. Yeah, no. What should people take away from Actually, this? Right now, show, I can understand if someone's going like, oh, what? Well, like, there are the exercises I do. You know, do I just drop them? Do I just say fuck this fitness shit like i'm out like i would hope that the message we've got across is analyze your exercises are you doing the exercises just for variety's sake novelty fun do you have the ranges available to competently and safely perform these exercises do these exercises actually target the goal that you think or you're hoping to target and are these exercises the best exercises or some of the best exercises for your goal i would hope people are kind of thinking along those lines would you agree or do you have anything to add to that like what are our kind of take home or takeaway points from this Yeah, as I kind of said, I think, and, and as you just kind of alluded to there, the most important thing is the thought process. Like actually just thinking about like, all right, why am I doing this exercise? Is there a way I could do this better? Or am I just doing this because I saw someone else do it like this? Because that's why, like, like that's what most people do. And I'm also, like all the information we put out, we're trying to put out with kind of, I guess, your health in mind. And I'm very mindful that the majority of gym goers are in some sort of pain at some some joint in their body. 
And it's not something that people exactly talk about. You know, we say talk about your feelings, but why not talk about your pain, man? And this is something that people just don't do. Like the majority of gym goers, if you ask them, feel kind of crap um, in terms of some joint or some exercise just doesn't feel good. And they just kind of get on with it because other people don't talk about it. And other people just, it's kind of just accepted that, oh, obviously the guy next to you, he, he doesn't have anything, you know, he, he's everything feels perfect to him. And I was talking to an Olympic weightlifter the last day. And, you know, these guys are the worst for being injured and being in pain all the time and just doing insane stuff. But, like, when I look at an Olympic weightlifter, I always think, like, oh, man, the way they move is just so beautiful. Like, I'd love to be that technically competent and all this stuff. And it's like, they, they must be so pain-free to be able to move so well. But if you speak to any of them, like, they generally feel like crap, you know. And I was speaking to this guy, and he's he's got knee tendonitis. He's got this issue and that issue. And it's just so common in lifters that for you guys listening to this that are not athletes, we want you to realize that you shouldn't have to be in pain to pursue your exercise journey and to improve your health and your body composition. So we're trying to give you solutions and ways of thinking about things that you can then customize your exercises so that you're actually not getting this discomfort, not getting this pain anymore. So that's that's kind of a big, a big reason why I like to put out that more specific information because I know some coaches in particular kind of listen to probably come across some of our stuff and probably like, oh, they're just overcomplicating things. And the problem is that that sort of attitude is what leads to. <laughs> um, yeah, this does kind of bring up the whole thing of. And we don't want that. People in the fitness edge. industry do like to Bitch. compare themselves to others. And I don't mean just like, oh, I want to have that body or that physique or that strength level or whatever. But people kind of unknowingly compare themselves to others insofar as they look at others how they move how they perform and they want that they 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 covet that they're like oh yeah i want to squat 300 kilos i want to bench press whatever 220 kilos but they are going on the assumption that they'll still be able to do and perform like they currently do in terms of they'll be able to go about their daily life and you know enjoy that and they don't realize that to get to that level, you have to sacrifice a lot. Like you have to sacrifice fully and be willing to sacrifice fully what you are currently capable of and where you currently are for the future. Like, and that sacrifice is no mean, like trivial thing. You have to properly sacrifice like you to get those goals if you're looking at like the top end people and unless you're the proper genetic elite that literally you know walks into the gym and smells weights and puts on muscle and loses body fat like you're gonna have to work at it you're going to have to put in that sweat equity you're going to have to you know be in pain sometimes you know not not be in the best of health sometimes be overreached be overtrained to get to that level and you actually have to question whether that is something you want because it's not necessarily or it's not necessary to get a good physique it's not necessary to get better health it's not necessary to perform better but that's not what people generally want they look at the best of the best out there and they want that they want to get to that level you know, rather than going and addressing what they actually want. Like people are like, oh, I want to perform well. Define what performing well looks like for you. Is it being able to run and catch the bus? Is it being able to, you know, play a game of football or ga or whatever with your, your children? You know, is it not being out of breath after sex? Like what is like performance to you? Like actually define it, like put, make some kind of, clear whatever you want to call them barriers on that and be like that's that's actually what good performance is to me same with good health you know what what does that look like for you is it a, a lower resting heart rate is it you know being free from disease as best as possible not getting like preventable diseases like diabetes and stuff like that and um, potentially even heart disease and things you know what what does that look like in terms of health you know, like actually put some parameters on that and address what that means for you. And oftentimes you'll find what you are aiming towards in terms of these strength goals or these fitness goals 
don't actually align with what you want as your health and fitness goals. You're just going along with the crowd. And it kind of fits in with the argument that we're saying here now, like address these exercises. Don't just go along with the crowd and say, oh yeah, this is what X does and he has awesome triceps. So I'm going to do this exercise. Just because you want to get stronger, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be the squat bench and the deadlift that you have to get stronger in. You know, maybe a front squat is better for you as a person, your, you know, unique uh, biomechanics. Maybe it's even better for your goals. Maybe an incline press is better than a bench press for your goals. You know, like actually having a clear image of what health performance means to you and, and even what body composition means to you. Like that's actually an easier one to do. Like if you're saying, oh, I want to build a, a better upper chest, like fucking the bench press is probably not going to be the exercise for you. And people can kind of get that in their head where they're like, okay, well the incline press, you know, targets that better. Intuitively, obviously that makes sense. You're like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, obviously, duh. Uh, but you have to do the same thing for your other goals. It's like, what? how does this affect your performance? What are, what are your actual performance supposed to be if you're just a, a general population person what is performance to you is it being able to run up the stairs is it being able to go about your day-to-day life pain-free you know what does performance look like for you what does health look like for you and once you've defined that then you can actually make better both comparisons within the fitness industry and then also better choices with the exercise selection you're looking for you know the diet that you're looking for you know once you actually have a clearly defined paradigm, I suppose, of what health, fitness, performance, and body composition looks like for you, then you can actually, you know, go about achieving that. I knew you were going to say just some absolute shite. You're just such a cabbage, like. Sounds good. <laughs> nah, that was tasty. I like it. Um, yeah, com- compare yourself. I believe that was one of the rules of Jordan Peterson's book. Compare yourself to the you of yesterday, was it? I think that was one of his main rules, as opposed to other people and all that. Um, but yeah, no, the gra- like I, I kind of posted about this earlier in the week as well. Like the grass is always greener on the other side. Like if you are focusing on like fat loss at the moment, you're going to look at people that are gaining weight and look at all the positives of that side of things, being able to eat more food, all that sort of stuff. If you're gaining weight, you're then going to look back and look at the people getting leaner and look at the pros of that. The same if you're training specifically for strength versus specifically for hypertrophy or training for weight training in general versus training for endurance. Everything that you do in life has its its pros and cons. And what you, like Paddy said, you just have to make sure that what you are doing aligns with your actual like idea or ideal in terms of your long-term goal, like what fitness means to you, what health means to you, what strength means to you, what having a good physique means to you. So just remember all that stuff when you are setting your goals, because otherwise you can kind of end up in this position a couple of years down the line where you've put in all of this arbitrary oh, work and okay. you're still unhappy because you haven't actually been chasing what you want to chase. So, yeah, I think that is a, a nice note to end on, Patrick. <laughs> no yeah we're gonna end it here right, on top, i'm getting tired it's like half eight you know it's like literally about when four i said hours end, i meant to put on a kettle we're gonna do three more hours obviously and um, yeah obviously a bit of a you know you know at 1 p.m um no, do you have anything else to say to people <laughs> i believe like, not weekend, this sorry. next weekend this will be up tomorrow so not next weekend the first weekend in february but the second weekend in february you're doing something that was literally the worst utilization of my turn of phrase anyway i never heard of her nah yeah i was speaking at the uh creator I I wanted to say completely out of context, but anyway, um, yeah, so I'm going to be speaking at the Creator Agency in Dublin, in the RDS, um, 
so Mr. Robert Lipset organized that event Scooter. and there's apparently a few boys from some company called Alpha Elite and Never Forward. I don't know. Anyone do you ever hear of a, a Christopher Goujon? Oh, that's him, yeah. So there's a Christmas Goujman, a Goujon gonna be speaking at it as well. So um if you don't like me then you might might be worth, you know, going to see Christmas Goujon. Um so yeah, I don't I don't know. Like Rob's a baller, so he's probably charging about? like four million euro for tickets. So I don't know if you're gonna be able to afford it. But if you can, check out tickets at the creator agency. I literally did not ask. I'll I did not ask. I said what are you gonna be talking about? I didn't, I didn't ask for your life story. I don't give a shit oh, about yeah, your college man. degree. Don't Jesus. give like you literally about college to folks. You're gonna talk about health and fitness, you're gonna talk about, you know, how to get you know six fade like mine or what's going on. What is it? Probably going to talk about, I suppose, the, the general, I guess, triage take on, on things overall. Like, you know, running running through a bit, bit of training, bit of nutrition, um, oh, trying to give as much as much detail and insight as I can in in whatever time well, you I get allocated, I guess. In the room. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> she's, my, she's my partner in crime man in Cork I couldn't speak without her in the room what the hell yeah you were actually shaking and sweating loads it was disgusting Where? nah it wasn't you were just scared like yeah and you see how, how nervous I was I, I, oh, I actually know why you were scared because I was literally shaking and sweating <laughs> I was in the room, room. I remember. yeah oh she she keeps tagging me in memes and like, man, like in fairness, yeah, in fairness breed long. she is a legend. And she has like, of all the people in the Irish fit fam, right? She's a tree of spirit. I actually trust her the most. She's like some sort right? of. No, and it's purely because she's been coached by both of us. <laughs> Uh, and I also agree. the fact that I she's think we not had a this conversation before. Well, obviously that 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 list that literally makes you so credible. Like, yeah, I coached her on that. You're welcome. Like, yeah, she's also like a walking, talking meme. I feel. <laughs> well, yeah, no, she her squatting uh, pictures are actually you know, better than yours as well. These pictures of some some fella with a beard, like listening to triage. I don't know who he is. <laughs> Looks, like, looks like looks like oh, anyway. Go on. Looks like a bit of work. Like I don't know, man. All I'm saying is, Breed is a lesbian. Le- lesbian legend. She might be a legend. Whatever. A lesbian. Oh! No, no. If you're listening, she's if you're a listening legend. This, um. No. So that's her free shout out for today. But yeah, no. A lesbian. What? What the fuck? He always does it. Yeah, he does it while he's training clients. What a legend! Everyone should do that. This is going to be hilarious. If this guy is playing our podcast again while training clients, this is going You're to be awesome. funny. <laughs> if this is currently going on and reps. he's training someone, anyway, we've descended the into is, You're fucking doing a great stupidity. job. So we're going to end going. here now because my attention is gone. Do it. <laughs> Your brain cells have literally degenerated into mush. So I mean, fleeting last words. And that's all we have time for. Goodbye. Um, I don't know. Don't be, don't, don't be, a, don't be a 